Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today we have an interview with Angela Rocher. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So Angela's um, formal bio, she is a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, a chakra coach, a Reiki practitioner, and a Let Your Yoga Dance instructor based in New York City. She has been a yogini on and off the mat for nearly two decades. She received her yoga teacher certification and Let Your Yoga Dance teacher certification from the Kripalu School of Yoga, the largest yoga center in the nation. Deepening her study and practice of yoga and the chakra energy system, she received her advanced level 500-hour yoga leadership certification with the Shakti intuition in Bali. So her ultimate uh, aim and life purpose is to inspire, encourage, and empower people to live life to their highest potential. She is particularly passionate about guiding women to be more radiant, joy, and self-love. She feels blessed to be able to share her journey and support others on their yoga journey. So Angela was a pleasure talking with. Um, this is the first, I believe it's the first interview um, that I've had where we really go into the chakra system. So she breaks down, if anyone um, is not familiar with what those are, I will put a little link in the show notes as well. Um, so you can kind of see a picture of what the chakras look like uh, in the body. And she breaks those down. We also are going to talk about um, feminine and masculine energy. And we break down what a goddess is. And then how to kind of develop your own home yoga practice. So she was, again, a pleasure. I'm so excited to get to know her um, and cannot wait to um, hopefully get to hang out with her in person. And if you're in New York City, definitely check out some of her classes. Or um, if you're not, look into her energy and chakra um, healing coaching. And without further ado, Here's today's podcast. All right, welcome to today's show. Today I have Angela Rauscher with us, and she is going to talk to us a little bit more about chakras and yoga and finding your goddess. And I'm super excited because they're all things that I love. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to Angela and tell us kind of a little bit more about yourself and how did you find yoga? Hello, Andrea, and hello to all of your listeners. First, I want to thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show and speak about this topic that I am so passionate about and so excited to talk to you and your listeners about. So thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So my yoga journey, it started about almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, it sounds like wow, but and, and it is. I mean, I'm so fortunate that I have been in um, on this path and on this journey for so long because it really has been just that a journey. Um, but I started because I got into a really bad car accident when I was in college in about 1997. And um, after... I was healed and went to physical therapy. There was still a lot of sensitivity and pain in my body. And physical therapists, osteopaths, chiropractors, they were all telling me the same thing. You have to stay away from high-impact exercise or sports. And at the time, it just so happened that I was taking an Eastern philosophy and religion class in college. So the idea of Hinduism and Buddhism and yoga... It was, it was not foreign to me at the time, and I was very interested in it, so I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. And my very first yoga class was a Patricia Walden VHS, probably, <laughs> or DVD, <laughs> and in my mother's living room, 
on a weekend when I was home from college and that that was it I was hooked after that and I was doing this DVD or VHS all the time um, until I moved to London uh, the year after that and then I started taking yoga classes and continued my journey but I will say that because my body was healing I spent years, most of the last 20 years, as a beginner so that my body could heal. And and I will also say that although it was physical injuries that led me to yoga, the healing and the benefits of yoga went way beyond healing my physical body. They helped, they healed it, these, you know, yoga as a practice and meditation and everything that comes with it filled my heart and my spirit and just created a whole new life for me. So, yes, the powers of yoga are so, so strong, and I'm really grateful to be on that journey. Mm. And you hear about that, or I've heard about that many times now with people getting, you know, injuries and they kind of are drawn to yoga in that sense. Um, so I'm kind of curious just because I do personal training as well. Is there do you do anything besides yoga now or has yoga, you know, helped you heal into, you know, introducing other exercises back into your life or you pretty much are just into yoga? Um, I, I'm pretty much just into yoga, but I will say that I do love to dance. Mm. <laughs> so I will, and I also teach a class called let your yoga dance and it's sort of conscious dance and yoga as a journey through the chakras. Oh. So each class is this amazing, powerful, rich journey and it heals the heart and the mind and the body. And there's, you know, some people leave in tears because it's just that cathartic kind of um, class or, or practice, if you will. Um, so that I love, love, love. And I live in New York City, so I walk a lot. But those are the only two other things I do besides yoga. Primarily, it's yoga. And I love that too, just as another example to people that, you know, you can do more than just, I think when people think of like a workout or trying to stay in shape or fitness, you know, they think of strictly just going to the gym and like running on the treadmill or, you know, lifting weights and they don't even, you know, think, well, I can do yoga and I can still maintain my fitness level, you know, by doing something that feels better to my body. So I love that you have a good example of that and how it's um, brought into your life. Right. And that is such a great point. And something that I tell my students and my clients all the time, you know, it doesn't have to be a two hour workout. It doesn't have to be this traditional workout. Sometimes I just put on a, a song that I love and have a solo dance party in my living room. And by the end of the five minute song, I'm sweating and my heart rate is up and I feel great and empowered. So it, it totally doesn't have to be just one thing even walking around New York City is is a great way to get that energy going or walking around wherever wherever you live mm, I love that so I know that you know masculine and feminine energy is something that you're kind of um, talk about and have worked with so can you tell us kind of what feminine and masculine energies kind of are and how we can tap into each of those yeah, I would love to. First, I think it's important, Andrea, to remind the listeners that masculine and feminine energies are not about gender or sexuality at all. It, these are energies that we all have inherent within us. And 
I do a lot of work with the chakras, which are the energy centers. I know we're going to get onto that in a little bit. But even the chakra system, the energy system of the body, each one alternates between masculine and feminine, masculine and feminine. So these are inherent qualities, as I said, that we all have in us. When we think about the difference between masculine and feminine energy, it is the difference between doing, which is a very masculine energy, and being, which is very feminine. The head, masculine, versus the heart, which is very feminine. So I want to talk about a little bit, maybe I think it would be helpful to point out that some of the dominant traits of masculine energy, for example, are very action-oriented, direct cognitive, there's a competitive energy there, entrepreneurial, problem-solving, risk-taking, all of these sorts of things are masculine energies. Whereas feminine energies are rooted in intuition, receptivity, collaboration, creativity, feelings. It's not submissive or weak at all. Mm. And to be honest, I, in my own life, because I was raised by a single mom, and, and I have a sister, so it was three women in the house, and my mom always raised me to be an independent, strong woman, and not to depend on a man for money or security, but to, to create that for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I've nurtured all my life, really, I've nurtured this masculine energy within me. And I myself have a very masculine energy because of that. Mm-hmm. So in my own work, and maybe that, you know, a lot of women especially might identify with that because we're in a different world now than our grandparents were. You know, there is there are women in the workforce and starting businesses and becoming more entrepreneurial. So we naturally have those masculine energy traits. What's important in anything in life, but especially with the the energies, masculine and feminine, is balance. Mm. And so in my own life, that is something I have been working really hard on, especially over the last few years when I transitioned into teaching yoga and became much more aware of the imbalance in my own body and my own life. Because that feminine energy isn't something that comes naturally to me anymore and it starts to affect relationships because you know my own relationships um because any imbalance is going to tip the scales right so it's always about creating balance in your life in your body in your relationships so now when i am working to manifest my feminine energy I'll pause and think okay how can what do I need right now where am I at and where do I need to go to so for me it's not about it could be I'm gonna just backtrack a little bit there it could be about putting on something that makes you feel feminine or you know maybe Um, having a manicure, pedicure, something, it could be that, but it can also be something like letting go of the need or the urge to do at every single moment, which is something that I fall into a lot, and give the time and the space to nurture myself, to be, even if it just means to sit out in nature and stare at the clouds or a tree and just be present with me and who I am and where I am. 
It means dropping down from my thinking mind into my body and into my heart and a lot of ways to access those areas and those feminine energies is to go out into nature or to be surrounded by water because these are all feminine like water is a very feminine element so surrounding ourselves by that starts to strengthen and manifest that energy in the body so these are just some of the things that I do to manifest the feminine in me. Really what it comes down to is taking care of yourself, nurturing that energy in order to create balance. Mm, I love that. Yeah, because I, I definitely agree. I'm also probably would tend to live more in my masculine energies than feminine energies. And I had, mm. I grew up with three brothers, you know, and my mom you know, was a D1 athlete as well. So she probably lived more in the masculine energy herself, <laughs> you know, and then my dad and they're all farmers. So, I mean, like I have definitely wow. like, I feel like I embodied that. And I never really realized it until I started exploring yoga. I'm like, wow, this is definitely something that is the complete opposite. I love doing yoga, but it definitely, that taps into my feminine side. Whereas like my workouts and my lifting weights, you know, definitely is the more masculine. So I always try to strive that's kind of one of the ways that I try to personally find my balance is by doing that. Otherwise, if I don't do yoga, I definitely am all up in the masculine energy and just go, go, go and don't take time for nurturing. Um, so those are, you know, a couple of different ways that people might, you know, kind of resonate with and be like, oh, well, that's what the masculine and feminine energy means. And that's kind of how to find balance. So I love that perspective that you had. Um, you know, with bringing out that feminine and the water, I just recently heard that as well. And I was like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Someone was saying water, feminine mountains, more masculine. Yes. I've never heard that. It, it that is sense. such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And you, without even getting there yet, we're talking a lot about the chakras. Mm -hmm. Um, but this what if you think about water and the feminine energy that we're talking about, water is open and receptive. You can anything, you know, the water will accept anything. We we throw in it or dump in it mm -hmm. just as a visual. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a mountain is much more stable and sturdy and fixed. Water starts to fill whatever container it's given. And so by create or strengthening the feminine energy, it's moving a little bit more towards that watery, open, receptive nature instead of fixed, sturdy, stable energy and nature. So it's important to have both of those, but tipping the scales can always be a little bit, um, not dangerous, but there's always a sense of we need to come back to the balance because even if we're, if we think about water and how it fills a container and about the nurturing energy of the feminine and divine feminine, it is so powerful that a feminine energy has the capacity and the strength to like water, fill whatever container it's given and have that, that sort of go with the flow, if you will, energy about it. And if we go too far into that, 
and lose our balance with the masculine, we can start to lose ourselves in other people or whatever the container is, whether it's work or relationships or children that, that we're filling. So that's where the balance into the masculine becomes important as well, to maintain that dance and balance so that we're not losing ourselves by, by filling contain a container that we're given and having that fluidity um but also having the confidence and self-esteem to come back and nurture ourselves and refill our own well so that's um yeah that's where the balance comes in a little bit more too so then can we kind of jump into something kind of similar i think um you know what does it mean to be a goddess you know kind of bringing that both on your yoga mat and then bringing it off the yoga mat, what does that mean? Because I think that can be a term that people might hear, but they're like, I don't know exactly what that means. Yes, I would love to talk about that. For me, goddess energy, if I had to sum up what it means to be a goddess on or off the mat, in one word, I would say radiance, be radiant. And I will elaborate on that because I know that could go in so much different directions it's almost (laughs) as um it's almost as mysterious as the word goddess but if you think about the word radiant even in in a dictionary it says it's sending out light shining or glowing brightly so when i think of my goddess energy and what it means to be a goddess it's a it's an energy it's vibrating or radiating to my highest life potential and because i work with the chakra systems the energy centers of the body it means that i'm always checking in every day with each chakra to make sure i'm nurturing each one keeping them in balance opening and keeping them open and so that I can radiate or vibrate to my highest life potential. And that goes for my life on and off the mat. I really, and I'm sure you've heard this, it's, it's nothing new, but what we say in the yoga world is whatever we're doing, our, our yoga mat is our life in microcosm. So whatever we do or whatever, however we behave on the mat is often how we're behaving in our lives. Mm-hmm. So when I come to my mat, how do I awaken the goddess in me? I come into myself and check in with myself. It's a better way to say that. Check in with myself. What do I need in this moment? How? What does it mean to vibrate at my highest frequency in this moment? That's going to change if I'm not feeling well, if I'm under the weather or didn't have a good night's sleep, or if I'm feeling really energetic and full of life it's, it's going to be a very different experience, but honoring whatever comes up for me in that moment is really empowering. And giving myself what I need is how I feed my own goddess and manifest that goddess energy. Mm. And that's what I take into my life from that to my life. I love that. Yeah, the just kind of listening to your body and your body of the day. What does your body of your day telling you that you need? Absolutely. And our energy doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. And so often as a society, I, I find 
and I find this in, in my clients and students as well, we're so used to ignoring our body. How many times are you in the middle? And I, I do this too. How many times are you in the middle of doing something and all of a sudden you think, oh, I need to pee. <laughs> and we ignore it, right? We're like, oh, I'll get there. I'll get there. I've got to finish what I'm doing first and then I'll listen to my body. I mean, it's like the simplest thing, you know, and we do it all the time. So, it, and I, as I said, I am guilty of this as well, but the more I become aware of listening to my body, the more I become aware of when I'm doing that and I go, okay, time to put down whatever I'm doing and, you know, answer the call of my body, whether it means to sit in silence for five minutes and breathe deeply to relax my nervous system or go to the bathroom and have a wee, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I know I'm being really transparent, but that's part of, <laughs> that's part of what I bring. I hope, I hope your listeners, this will, this will resonate with some of your listeners. <laughs> no, totally. I like to study Ayurveda and they talk a lot about going number two. Um, so I, oh, yes, they do. I brought up many times with clients. I was like, and we went there today. So hopefully you enjoyed that. <laughs> yes, it's the, it's the call of nature, right? Yes, everyone does it. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes, so listening to our bodies and, and coming back to that again and again, because every day, it's going to change. The energy levels are going to change. We, as human beings, we are affected by external stimulus and we pick up different energies from people around us, from situations, places that we're in. So it's really important to keep coming back and checking in with the body, checking in with the energy centers to make sure we're meeting our own needs and giving ourselves what we need in order to vibrate at that high frequency, to be radiant, to be a goddess. Well, one of the things that I just got had, I actually just got asked recently, um, someone had sent me a message about how to develop a kind of daily yoga practice, whether that be at home or at a studio, this person was looking for mostly at home. How do you go about kind of developing that yoga practice so you can kind of unleash your inner goddess? Mm, what a great question. And I love that your students are, are asking about that because it, for me, my daily ritual is so important. And what I tell my clients and my students is it's not about doing it's it's not about dedicating two hours every single day to yoga um or to your practice what's more important in my experience is consistency and being realistic with what you can commit to so that you don't fall off the wagon or so that you don't think this is too overwhelming life is also happening around yoga and around our practices so how do we again balance the two for me it looks different every day sometimes I do have an hour to roll out my mat and give myself a yoga practice sometimes it's vigorous other times it's more gentle just depending on what I need in that moment Sometimes I don't have that much time and I only have five minutes. So if I need something a little bit vigorous, I might, as I said earlier, put on a song and dance around my living room if I want to shake up some of my energy. 
And to me, that's yoga. I'm present with my body. I'm answering the call of what I need and giving myself that need so that my mind, my body, my spirit are all coming into union, yoking together. And that's the meaning of the word yoga, to yoke. So, yes, sometimes it does look like a traditional yoga practice. Other times it could be reciting a mantra or or an affirmation in the mirror to myself to remind myself or set an intention for the day. So to answer your question, for me, my daily rituals and my yoga practice depends on the amount of time I have, depends on what I need in that moment, and it encompasses all the tools in my toolbox, asana practice, the, the postures that we practice in yoga, breathing techniques, meditation, mantra. As I said, sometimes it looks like a dance, a solo dance party, or sometimes it's me speaking to myself compassionately in the mirror, acknowledging who I am or what I need in that moment. So that's what I tell my clients. It's important to do something consistently, be realistic about what it is, and know that it's it might look different every single day. But what's important is setting the energetic tone of your day. So whatever you do in the morning or in the evening, you're setting the tone for either a night's sleep or to start your day. And to me, that is yoga. That's one of the things that I think sometimes we're like too harsh on ourselves in the terms of um, like I personally am doing like a 30 day kind of yoga challenge and I mapped it all out on my calendar. And then, you know, a couple of days ago, I was like, I'm just, I'm not feeling a yoga practice. Like I literally just need to rest today. So I did legs up the wall mm-hmm. for five minutes and I was like, that's my yoga practice today. And I think sometimes, you know, stepping outside of that traditional, I need to do, you know, a video online or um, I have to follow whatever program, you know, we are like, okay, well, what is my body telling me? do I need a rest today? Maybe I just need to lay in Shavasana for 10 minutes today, Mm. you know, and kind of listening to what your body's telling you, kind of going back to that, listening to that inner goddess and inner wisdom and just kind of being like, okay, and not getting um, disgruntled with ourselves. Um, Because I know a lot of the people that I work with, you know, if they miss a workout, you know, sometimes it's falling off the bandwagon. That's the end of that, you know, rather than kind of rethinking of, okay, how can I um, make this a learning moment for me or a teaching moment? Is there anything that you do when people kind of fall off the bandwagon? Because, I mean, it always happens. You know, we are going strong and then, you know, maybe we miss a few days and then sometimes we throw in the towel or other times we're like, okay, I feel like I'm back at square one, even though I was just making progress. You know, what do you tell people when that happens? Oh, I love that. First of all, I love that you are honoring the Shavasana moments and the legs of the wall because the benefits are so powerful, even, you know, in relaxation. And part of what we learn in yoga is, or what we practice in yoga is how to relax. So wonderful. I love that you're doing that and spreading that. That took me many years. Yes. To listen to myself. Me too. (laughs) Um, but falling off the bandwagon. Yeah, I do it myself. And what I remind myself and what I remind my clients is, okay, life sometimes gets in the way. That's okay. That's normal. But each moment is an opportunity to begin again. Each moment is an opportunity to come back to the light again and again and again. We all have darkness and light and sometimes falling off the bandwagon and that inner critic gets activated in our mind saying I should do this and and I should do that and 
my gosh, one of my, <laughs> one of my yoga sisters once said to me, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> I thought that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm shooting all over myself by doing that. Because, you know, it's again about coming back to our body and saying, what do I need in this moment? And, and sometimes it's not a vigorous practice and that's okay too. And sometimes it's not an hour or two hours practice at the gym and that's okay too. And respecting what your body needs, your body won't lie. Our bodies are really smart. We have that inherent wisdom and listening to that wisdom. So when I tell my clients who get really hard on themselves and my students, especially when they fall off the bandwagon, is practice compassion. Maybe that's your practice today is compassion and nurturing what's coming up for you. Or, you know, realizing that we live in the real world and sometimes real life things like children and relationships and work get in the way or have to take a front seat to whatever it is that we're doing. But even if we could find five minutes to check back in with ourselves and just say, okay, I'm coming back to the light and giving myself a little bit of compassion. That's so much more powerful than beating ourselves up for falling off the wagon or doing or not doing what we quote unquote should be doing. That, yes, I love that. Just practicing compassion as your yoga practice that day. I mean, that's brilliant. And that might look mm. different for everyone. So I, that's great advice. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I'm working on at the moment. I love that you're doing your 30-day yoga challenge. I'm doing a 40-day compassionate mirror ritual mm -hmm. that I wanted to offer to all of the listeners. But since we're talking about it yeah. now, um, this is a way that I, you know, I find in my own life that I acknowledge my students, I acknowledge my friends and my family. And then there are moments where I'm really hard on myself. And that's not compassionate. That's not showing myself love or practicing self-love. So an another one of my yoga sisters started this compassionate mirror ritual and shared it with me and and so each morning or evening, I stand in front of the mirror and you look at yourself in the eye and you say your name and you acknowledge yourself. So I would say, Angela, I acknowledge your commitment to self-love. Angela, I acknowledge that you were really productive today. Angela, I acknowledge that you listened to your inner wisdom today and, and met your needs to slow down, to rest, or whatever it is. Here's the interesting thing that happened, Andrea. The first two days when I spoke my own name out loud and looked in my eyes and acknowledged myself, I cried. It was so... It was awkward, yes, yeah. and it was almost like my soul was crying, like, finally, you're acknowledging me. And so the first few days, it was difficult and awkward, and I didn't really know what to say. And then as I stuck with it and kept that discipline, something really incredible happened. I'm still in it, but suddenly I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, you go girl. And, you know, sometimes tears come up and sometimes it's just empowerment. 
I am expressing and practicing self-love. I'm acknowledging myself. If we can't acknowledge ourselves and love ourselves, how can we give that to anyone else, right? We can only give what we have already. That's, I mean, it's beautiful to be able to do that. And I mean, I'm sure there's many people, and I know I've done this, I mean, I think years ago where I did that, but then I probably stopped after the couple days of awkwardness and never really tried to break through that. So I love that you're sharing that you're, you know, there is a breakthrough because it is kind of awkward if you're not used to doing that or looking at yourself in the mirror and talking to yourself and saying something positive to yourself. That is huge because I think a lot of us have a lot of negative stories that we tell ourselves as we're going throughout the day. And I had just heard when I um, was training someone this morning, another gal that was working with someone had said, she goes, oh, I just need to get these monsters out of my head. You know, <laughs> as soon as she was doing doing exercise, she's like, oh, I hate my legs. They're so big. You know, and then the trainer had said, no, don't talk to yourself like that. And then she had said the monsters in her head. And I was like, that's just so true. I think for many people is, you know, we're doing these things and then we just immediately criticize ourselves for something that we don't like, even though you just did an amazing thing. You know, so I think having that um, confidence even to tell yourself that you are you know, beautiful or radiant or whatever you want to tell yourself that day and have compassion. Absolutely. Oh, I love that you brought up the monsters in the head because (laughs) that's what we're, that's what I'm talking about here. And we all have that. Some people call them gremlins. Some people call it the voice or the voice of knowledge. Some people call it the ego monsters. I love that. Um, and That voice is so strong. It's the critic. It's the judge. It's always there. So in my own practice, I've named mine and I've named, I've named my inner critic chump. And I used to, (laughs) that's great. And maybe like a year or two ago when I first named my inner critic, every time my inner critic would come up, here's an interesting thing. My inner critic's a man. I don't know why, but I'm like, Hey chump, you better back off. You know? And I'm like, whenever he comes up, I don't know why it's a he. That's interesting. It's something to look into myself. But I'm like, you better back off. And, and you know, I don't have time for you. I've got more important things to do. And I've changed that a little bit now because I thought, well, Trump is part of me and I don't want to speak negatively to myself at all. Mm-hmm. So now when Chump rears his ugly head or her ugly head, <laughs> I say, okay, Chump, I see you. I hear you. And if you're going to mutually coexist with me, you have to be nice because mm-hmm. my heart would not talk to me the way you do. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's not my heart talking to me. It's my head. It's you. So you can be, if you want to stay here, be nice oh. and quiet down. And you know what? It works. <laughs> It works. And suddenly I'm like brushing my hair and I've always had this like love hate relationship with my hair. And I'm like, Oh, I'm talking to my hair going, you're beautiful. Thank you so much for all that you endure on a daily basis. The, you know, sunshine and blow dryers and whatever it is and products. Thank you. Thank you. And suddenly my hair started to look awesome like out of nowhere and I do nothing to it so these little things that I'm noticing tiny little shifts I call them bliss bites really have the most incredible impact in switching energy or just changing the perspective of the day or the moment or our lives I love bliss bites that's great 
That is a great name for it. It's easy to remember and simple and oh, that's great. Yeah, I totally, yeah. I totally agree with you there. I always tell people I have, um, you know, if I have clients who really talk bad about themselves out loud um, and I hear it, they always know they have to do 10 burpees because they're I'm like, you got to reprogram that. You know, I'm like, we can't because most people hate burpees. And so it's an easy tool for them to be like, oh, I just did it. Like, so, you know, and one of my clients, I think she did close to 50, you know, during one session, she was like, okay, like, this is like eye opening to me to see how bad that I talk to myself because I've had to do so many of these in a short half hour session. Like really like that's five times that I've said bad things about myself, you know? And so those are little tools that you can kind of use to be like, okay, what is going on? You know? And usually whatever you're thinking about, you know, I've noticed that people are like, oh, I really hate my thighs. They're so big. And then what happens is your thighs never get any smaller because you're, right. they just, they just like hear those negative thoughts. And people always look at me kind of like, what? That's kind of crazy. But it really is true because people have noticed that like, okay, I start speaking more positively about them and all of a sudden they're starting to change, you know? And I'm like, that's the power of the mind. <laughs> it is. That's exactly what it is. The Buddha says we are what we think. Mm-hmm. All that we are. Mm-hmm. Mm. arises with our thoughts with our thoughts we create our world with our thoughts we create our world and I constantly repeat that to my students and we in, our, in my yoga classes and in my private sessions I keep coming back to that where's your mind what are the thoughts that are coming up can you come back down and I love what you're doing with the burpees because that's a way to embody that that essence of Okay, this, yeah, five times in half an hour. And when we embody that and feel it in the body, it makes it so much more real. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're doing that. I'm completely going to steal that or, <laughs> or quote you on that and borrow it from you. No, go it. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so now I want to talk to um, you about something that no one has talked about yet on the podcast. I want to break into the chakras. So since we have not, or my audience has not heard those possibly ever before, can you give us a little background, what they are, what we need to know about them, and why should we be aware of them? Absolutely. I do a lot of work with the chakras. The chakras, um, they're cool. They're interesting. They're, they're um, I mean, I'll get into it in a minute, but we were just talking about the masculine and feminine energies, and this goes right back to the chakras because it's energy. So the chakra system is it aligns the spine from the base to the crown of the head and along the spine um, are these energy centers or vortexes of energies and we have way more chakras in the body there are even chakras in our hands but in the west we identify with seven main chakras that align the spine as i said from base to crown and i'll give a very gross oversimplification of the chakras just because I'm not sure how much your listeners know about the chakras or maybe they do know about them but would like a refresher. Mm-hmm. So the seven chakras that we identify with in the West start with the base of the spine and it's called muladhara. And that word is a Sanskrit word which translates to root support. And so the location of it, you can say it's the root as we root ourselves down, if we're sitting down, we root ourselves to the earth, there's that 
sense of grounding, safety, stability. And those are the functions of the first chakra, muladhara. It's associated with survival and meeting our basic needs to survive. And it's also a very um, masculine energy, muladhara. The element is earth. And that's that grounding, rooting down to the earth. And each chakra also um, is associated with a color and a basic birthright. So Muladhara is associated with the color red. And the basic right of Muladhara is the right to be here and the right to thrive. Mm-hmm. The second chakra, which is located in the lower abdomen, is called Swadhisthana. And that translates to sweetness. This is a very feminine energy. It's associated with emotions, sensuality, sexuality, playfulness, and that sense of being rather than doing, giving ourselves the space and the time to play, to create, not just in a sense of creation. I mean, it's located in the lower abdomen. So creation, we were created from this place. And as women, this is how we procreate from that space. But also in terms of creativity, whatever you're creating, whether it's a garden or a meal or a project, what are we birthing into this world? And so that's a real feminine energy. The element of Swadhisthana is water. So again, that open receptive energy. The color is orange and the basic right is to feel your feelings. I'm going to pause there. Feel your feelings because that is our basic birthright. And that's what Swadhisthana teaches us so powerfully because so often, even in our society, we're taught to close off and and hold in our feelings and not to cry in public perhaps or not to grieve. And that is just the worst thing you can do for your body and your energy is to hold it in because that's when it creates dis-ease in the body and that turns into disease if we're not fully feeling our feelings. So that's one of the real lessons in Svadhisthana, to feel your feelings. Then we move up to... Another masculine or more masculine energy um, chakra, which is the third chakra called Muladhara, it's located in the solar plexus. And the word Muladhara translates to lustrous gem. And it's associated with the element of fire, the color yellow. It's our seat of personal power, will, self-esteem. And our basic right is to act. What Muladhara teaches me is that sense of being enough. And I know that a lot of my students and a lot of my clients often feel an imbalance here. I often feel an imbalance here. And it's that sense of worthiness. Am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I giving enough? Am I enough as I am? And Muladhara teaches us, yes, we are. And we our basic right is to act on that and manifest that willpower and confidence and self-esteem to stand on our own two feet and say, yes, I am worthy. I am enough. Mm. So I love that power center, empowerment of Muladhara. 
Then we move up to chakra number four, which is located right at the center of your chest in your sternum. And it's called the heart chakra or anahata. And anahata, the word anahata means unstruck or unbroken. And I love that because we're talking about the heart chakra and the translation is unstruck, unbroken. To me, that's a message like the name itself implies that even underneath our personal stories of hurt and heartache and heartbreaking, we have this wellspring of, of unconditional love and compassion and kindness and joy and it's all there so i love that the word translates to unstruck or unbroken because underneath all of that that is our essence we are whole and so of course this chakra is associated with love and joy and compassion and all of those feelings forgiveness even the color is green and the element is air so think about being out in nature and surrounded by a green meadow or trees and breathing in air all of these things start to activate and open up the heart chakra and the basic right of this chakra is to love and be loved that's important to love and be loved as a woman it i find and i find because i do a lot of work with women we are constantly giving our love and giving to our spouse or partners or friends or children and we don't often turn it in and love ourselves or a lot of people find it very difficult to receive love, to receive a compliment by just saying thank you mm-hmm. instead of, oh, no, that's not me. I, I, oh, I look terrible today. What are you saying? I look good. You know, like we do that a lot. Um, maybe some of the listeners can identify with that. I certainly can. Oh, for sure. I can too. <laughs> yes. So that's what Anahata teaches us that it is our basic birthright to love and to be loved by ourselves and by others so then we move up to um, one of the more masculine energy centers and it's the fifth chakra called vishuddha it's located in the throat and vishuddha translates to purification it's associated with communication creativity and expressing our true selves So the basic right of this chakra is our right to speak and hear our truth and the truth around us, to create and express our authentic self and share that with the world, whether it's through our our words or our actions. And it's associated with the element of sound. So it's not only speaking our truth but also what we hear as well the ears and the voice are associated with this chakra and the color is blue so that color really and just looking up at a beautiful blue clear sky is very um is very powerful in activating and opening this energy center and also speaking and chanting and these sorts of things are really powerful in opening the energy center so then we move up to ajna which is the sixth chakra again another feminine energy or feminine energy center and ajna translates to 
to perceive or to command. It's located in the center of the forehead and it's commonly referred to as our third eye. So if you think about our two physical eyes, they look out into the world around us. And our third eye looks inward and it starts to strengthen our connection with our inner life, our inner world. It's associated with intuition, inner wisdom, clairvoyance and imagination, all of those energies and at the essence is where um, we hold or all of those um, energies are held right in Ajna. So the element is light and the color is indigo. And the basic right of Ajna is the right to see clearly. And we're talking about physical seeing, the two physical eyes looking out into into the world, but also our psychic perception and of seeing patterns in our own lives so that mistakes are less likely to be repeated. And that comes back to our inner wisdom and our intuition. So by strengthening and opening our third eye, we start to strengthen and trust our inner wisdom and our intuition. That's important, trusting our inner wisdom and intuition. So finally, finally, we round out our chakras with number seven at the crown of the head. And it's called Sahasrata. And that word translates to the thousandfold or the thousand petaled lotus flower. And I want to pause there for a moment before I go into the rest of it because I love that the chakras use the imagery of a lotus and the metaphor really of a lotus flower. Each chakra, when you look at the symbol that represents each chakra, they all have different number of petals in a lotus flower. So the thousandfold or the thousand petaled lotus flower at the crown of the head is like that opening of our highest potential, our highest self. And then if you come down to the first chakra, muladhara in the root, that roots us into the earth. Think about a lotus flower. It blossoms in the mud. And so the whole chakra system is uh, an imagery or a representation of the lotus flower blossoming from the mud. So I love, I love, you know, that, that imagery and connection. And so I thought it was uh, interesting to point it out here. Yeah, I've never heard as that we before. Get that to, total sense. Yeah. Yeah, as we get to the top of the head and this thousand petal lotus flower blossoming open, opening us to our knowledge and our understanding and this transcendent consciousness or connection to divine intelligence. So whether we're talking about connection to our highest self, to God, to the universe, whatever we consider our highest power or our higher good, that's what Sahasrata connects us to. The element is thought, and the color is violet to white. So there's a really powerful meditation. You know, each the word chakra means wheel or disc. So if you think about each chakra or vortex as a spinning wheel or disc of energy spinning, you get to the top of the head and you imagine this disc spinning and light coming through. There's a real powerful connection that happens there for me anyway. Um, so 
Sahasrata is really our our most enlightened self, let's say. So one more thing on the chakras, since we were talking about masculine and feminine energy and how the chakras run along the spine, I think it's important to point out that we're not talking about the chakras aren't anatomical. It's not something you can dive into the body and dissect or even see. It's energy. We're talking about the subtle body. So the energy channels run along the spine, along the physical anatomical spine. And there are many energy channels in the body, but the ones that we identify with um, as the most important, there are three. And we call these energy channels, nadis, the subtle energy channels, which through which prana or our life force energy flows. So the nadi, the main nadi that aligns the spine is called sushuna. And that's right in the middle. Then on either side of sushuna are Ida and Pingala. And those three are considered most important. So all three begin in Muladhara, right at the first chakra at the base of the spine. Shushuna runs right up the spine to the crown of the head. Ida begins on the left side of the uh, Sushuna at Muladhara, the first chakra. And it, it sort of snakes up from left to right to left to right until it comes all the way up. So it originates in Muladhara and ends up in the left nostril. And Ida is a feminine energy channel. Pingala is the right energy channel. Again, it originates in Muladhara, chakra one at the base of the spine, and sort of snakes its way up and ends in the right nostril. And so it's the right energy channel, and it's a masculine energy. So these two energy centers sort of weave their way all the way up, and each time they intersect each other, that's where a chakra is. That's where that vortex of spinning energy lives. And so so when we get to the nostrils, and Ida is the left nostril, Pingala is the right nostril, you think about in our yoga practice, we practice alternate nostril breathing or Nadi Shodhana. This is a great technique to balance the Nadis or the energy channels in the body, the masculine and the feminine energy, and also to calm the body, of course, through our breathing technique. But the Sushuna, that central energy channel, runs along the spine, and and that's those three together are what sort of our subtle body is made of, and the chakras are aligned along that. So I'm I'm sort of creating this imagery in my head. So I hope it makes sense and it's not too too informative, but in a in a much more um, accessible way to the listeners no I mean I loved it that was very nicely explained and I'm like okay this is so when you go through yoga teacher training you know they always hit on some things more than others and so we briefly got into chakras but I feel like you explained it more so I can understand it even better so I love that and thank you one of the other things I'll say about the chakras before we move on is that they're responsible for every area of our lives they allow the energy to flow in and out and the problem is that simply by living our life, these energy centers get clogged, blocked up, filled with junk, allowing less and less energy to flow through them. If you think of a sink that's clogged, 
it may start off small, but slowly it builds up. And if we aren't regularly checking in with the chakras and cleansing, balancing, and strengthening them, they start to weaken and close up. So if we go back to the imagery of the lotus flower, you might notice that, um, you know, if, if we go back to the imagery of the lotus flower and you think about a lotus flower if you're not watering it or giving it sunlight or giving it care it's going to dry up and wither away and then die so we're not when i say die in terms of chakras it means we're not connected there at all there's a disconnect and that is never good to maintain balance in the body and that's when we will start to notice or we might start to notice health issues that come up correlating to a certain chakra or problems in a certain area of our life that we can relate back to a certain chakra. So that's the work that I do with my clients as a chakra coach is helping them to identify where these blockages are and working and giving them specific tools that they can use to identify those blockages and clear them um, so that they're vibrating to their highest potential and reopening, balancing, and strengthening excuse me, strengthening those energy centers. That was actually going to be my next question was kind of asking, how do we know how the chakras are off or need attention? So you kind of answered that, but could it also be, I guess, um, you know, if you were constantly sick with a stomach pain, could that be due to chakras? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for example, I will share a story with you or an experience rather um, was years ago, maybe like five or yeah, maybe five years ago, I was having a pain in my, in the area of my stomach and it was, it came up to be a digestive issue. Um, and I didn't know what it was and it was very foreign to me because I have a really strong stomach. I can eat anything and never really get tummy pains or anything like that. I, I'm really, um, um, don't have to worry about what I eat at all. I don't have allergies or anything like that. So it was very strange that this pain was coming up and I couldn't identify it. Turns out that when I dug a little deeper and started to learn more about the chakras, that is where Manipura, our third chakra lives in that solar plexus area and Manipura is associated with our digestive system. So if there's an imbalance in this area, digestive issues are very common. And at that time in my life, I was not feeling very confident in a relationship I was in, in the place I was at in my own life and the work I was doing. I was not feeling that sense of self-esteem or self-worth or, or good enough. And it manifested in my body as a digestive issue. And when I realized that, and I was able to identify what it felt like when that chakra started to perhaps need a little bit more care, I am now able to go, oh, I feel a little bit of tension or tightness in the solar plexus. Okay, what's happening in my life? Or is anything coming up that's out of balance? Oh, okay, maybe I need a little bit of, of empowerment or confidence. So maybe I'll put on a Beyonce song and dance around my living room or whatever it is that makes me feel confident and empowered in that moment. So, yeah, absolutely, to answer your question, yes. Our physical ailments can absolutely be linked back to a chakra. 
an area of our life. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that I think kind of helps clarify or give a little bit of an example for people. So they're like, okay, what does this mean? And how would that kind of, I guess, come to be in the body? So I love that. Um, you know, you made that connection because I think sometimes we just kind of breeze over things and we might miss something like that. Yeah, and I would have as well had I not gone on to study the chakras in, in such a deep way. And so that is the work that I do with my clients, teaching them how to identify what it feels like when there's a blockage or there's some stuck energy in a chakra. And so often it's a matter of becoming mindful, checking in with your body, checking in with each energy center and where they sit or live in the body and noticing what it feels like there. Is there a tension or a tightness or is there a feeling of ease and openness? and that's where we start to become more aware uh, of where we need to do the work or where we need to focus the work so how can people kind of connect with you where is the best spot to connect with you at if they're interested in doing some chakra healing I would love that. Well, they can find me on my website, which is AngelaRauscherYoga.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A-R-A-U-S-C-H-E-R-Y-O-G-A.com. And I have all of my contact details on there. I'm based in New York City, but chakra work is something that I do via Skype or face-to-face in person. So I would love to hear from anyone who is interested in learning more about what chakra coaching is and whether it's for them or not. So they can reach out to me and we can have a, a brief free consultation to see if it's something that would work for them in their lives. And then we would move on to a full session or group of sessions. And just like a trainer or any kind of life coach, um, it's, it's helpful to have that support of someone to help you to hold yourself accountable and help you to realize maybe something that you're not seeing in your own life or in your own practice and to maybe shine light or offer a different perspective or a different tool to use to clear those blockages or to come back into balance. And I know you also have an upcoming yoga retreat. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and when it is? I would love to. I'm so excited about it. So my retreat is called Awaken the Goddess. It's a retreat for women only, and it's a transformational journey through the chakras, through all seven energy centers. We are going to Bali. So ladies, if you would like to join me in Bali for sisterhood transformation, awakening the goddess in you so you identify and know how to live life as radiant goddess energy um i would love for you to come with me we still have a few spots left the retreat is going to be in february the 21st to the 27th and as i said there are still a few spots left so please reach out you can find the details at awakenthegoddessretreat.com and all the details are there awakenthegoddessretreat.com there's everything that's included, pricing. You can get to know a little bit more about me and my retreat partner, Diana Michelle, who is a wonderful, beautiful healer and wellness coach who works with chakras and meditation. Um, And we are taking only 15 women with us. So I would love for some of your listeners to, to join us. That would be wonderful. Yes, I know. 
That's one thing I'm like, oh, everyone has retreats that last week in February, and my son was born on leap day. So I'm like, oh, man, because I don't want to miss his birthday, obviously. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to plan around these retreats. <laughs> I know, you know, certainly today in New York City, it's like in the 20s, and I'm going, oh, I can't wait to go back to Bali, back to the tropics in February when it's even colder. Oh, yeah. This is going to be my third year going to Bali. And one of the reasons I chose Bali as a retreat destination is because it has, and I've traveled a lot in Southeast Asia, but Bali has this nurturing, feminine, open energy that I just get so drawn into. And for me, the culture, the place, the energy there just just feeds into my inner goddess and helps me to manifest her and bring her out and love myself and others even more powerfully. So that is what I am bringing to retreat and offering to all of the goddesses that are there and the reason that, that come with us. And the reason we called it Awaken the Goddess is because we all have this goddess inside of us. You know, I'm not special or anything. We all have a goddess in us. So it's just about waking her up because sometimes she gets a little bit neglected in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. That is true. <laughs> yes. I can oh. relate to that. <laughs> Me too, absolutely. So, yes, we're all going to Bali together to awaken the goddess. Hope you can come. Yes. Uh, I know, and who wouldn't, if you live in a cold weather state right now, I mean, who wouldn't want to take a little vacation? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so final couple questions to kind of wrap up, um, ones that I always like to ask everyone. So my next one, what does peaceful power mean to you? Oh, I love that question. Peaceful power. It's interesting because power, I always feel has a negative or a heavy weight because often it's, we're talking about like possession of control or authority or influence over others. And that's actually the definition of power in the dictionary. Whereas empower, the word empower make it the, the definition of that is to make someone stronger and more confident and in controlling their own lives and reclaiming their rights, their birthrights. And so for me, when I think about peaceful power, I think of empowerment mm -hmm. and empowering others and confidence, the confidence to live our most authentic lives and open up, awaken that inner goddess, connect to the chakras, connect to our birthrights, and claim it, claim all of that. And so it doesn't have to be this, this controlling connotation, but a much more peaceful and nurturing essence and that confidence to, to be that, to step into that role or that area of your life. Ah, beautiful. And Thank then finally you. to wrap up, I always like to do a little challenge to all the listeners for the week. Um, and you might've already mentioned it, but we'll see. Um, so what would you like to challenge the listeners for this upcoming week? You know, I did already mention it and I would love to challenge the listeners for the rest of the week to adopt the compassionate mirror ritual because it's something that 
doesn't take five seconds, really. Maybe, you know, right before you brush your teeth or after you brush your teeth in the morning. So you remember, when I brush my teeth, I, I can do the compassionate mirror ritual. And stand in front of the mirror, look into your own eyes, and out speaking out loud, say your name. That's an important thing because something happens in the brain when we say our own name to ourselves. And acknowledge what you've done that day or the day before or where you're at in your life. So I might say, Angela, I acknowledge your compassionate heart. Angela, I acknowledge your radiance or whatever it is for you. Um, so that is my challenge, the compassionate mirror ritual. Say your name to yourself and acknowledge yourself. Do it for a week and see if there are any shifts. See what happens. Do it a little, as a little experiment. Yes, I love that. And then you can always journal after and just write down anything that might have come up. Absolutely. I love that idea. Journaling is really powerful in tracking these experiments to see what's shifting and see what comes up in our lives. Um, yeah, I love that. Thanks for naming that. Yes. And I always like to read back through old journal entries and either see how much I've grown or see how much I forgot to do the things that I said I was going to (laughs) do. That's so interesting that you said that because I recently moved and I was packing up a bunch of old journals and um, I started flipping through one and I thought, wow, I should have trusted my intuition at that time because I, you know, it was... There was so much wisdom there. You know, it, hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? But, yeah. So in reading my old journals, I thought, okay, lady, trust your intuition next time. You had you hit the nail on the head in that situation or that situation, whatever it was. So that was a real eye-opener for me, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you can do a part two of it. Read back through old journals this week as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, do that. See how far you've come, how far you've grown. Yes. All right. Well, it's been amazing having you on today, Angela. I've enjoyed our conversation, and I cannot wait to share with everyone a little bit more about the chakras. Thank you so much for having me. I've been so excited to talk to you, and I am just overjoyed to share my knowledge and and schooling of the chakras, the system, and practices. Um, and it was so lovely to speak to you. Thank you for inviting me on the show again, and thank you to all the listeners that are tuning in to hear this. Yes. Thank you so much, and everyone, go out there and spread your peaceful power. If you're looking to spread more peaceful power in your life, head on over to sapphiretraining.com, spelled S-A, the word fire, training.com for more information about how to spread your peaceful power, as well as if you want a free resource guide on to working out for your body types, that is at the top of our homepage. So go on out there and spread your peaceful power.